This is CliffCentral.com. As humans, we're starting to get the hang of balancing out our carbs, proteins, and fats. But what's best for our pets? Welcome to Pause for Thought, brought to you by PetHeaven.ca.za, your one-stop online pet shop. Pet Heaven's scheduled deliveries will not only save you time and money, but will take all the hassle out of remembering to buy pet food. Go to petheaven.co.za now and sign up to the newsletter to get the best deals on a wide selection of toys, treats and accessories. So we have Dr. Guy Fivey here today. Thank you for joining us. You are nutritional advisor to Hills Pet Nutrition South Africa. And beyond knowing about Hills Pet Nutrition, you have a load of experience <laughs> with, yeah. with other factors when it comes to animal health. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, obviously I'm a veterinarian, but right. uh, I've been in the, in the pet food um, arena for 20 odd years. So, um, yeah. yeah. So that's your speciality. Indeed. Okay, mm. so it must really irk you when you see people feeding their animals the wrong foods. Absolutely, when you when you think what we can do with nutrition, and uh, yeah, it, it's irritating that people don't accept what they can do with it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's chat a little bit about the basics of dog nutrition. So we have a new little puppy at home. Um, what do we look at giving the puppy in terms of portion size? how often we feed them, and what we should feed them. All right. So, I mean, I think the first thing is to to make sure that you have a properly balanced diet. And we talk about life stage nutrition or, and lifestyle nutrition. So we would split up uh, life stages into puppy, uh, puppy or kitten. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we talking dogs only, puppy, uh, adult, and, and seniors? So that's really where we would split up the, the types of diets. So puppy specifically, you would want to – you know, you, you would need a, a good quality puppy food. Large breed puppies need a different type of food. So you should be looking at if you have a large breed puppy, and that is essentially a dog that's going to be more than 25 kilograms as an adult. They have different nutritional needs as a puppy. Really, the difference is that they need more energy. They're growing. They need more protein. Um, they need they need the, 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 the nutrients that are going to help them to grow properly at a, at a healthy rate. Um, we don't want them to be overweight because that also is an issue for them. Mm. So really... Feeding a puppy when they're really, really small, so you get it at 8 to, to 12 weeks, they should be being fed about three times a day. Um, and then portion would change sort of at about six months, we would go to twice a day. Okay. And that would be the recommendation for the rest of their lives is to, is to feed them twice a day. So obviously yep. at eight weeks, they should be fully weaned. Correct. I mean, you, when you get them, they should be fully weaned. Eight weeks is, is still quite young, so you may need to still wet the food a bit, but yeah, they should be fully weaned. Okay. You, sh- you should only be getting puppies that are fully weaned. You should never get a puppy that hasn't been weaned yet. But of course, we do find ourselves in the situation where our dog has had puppies, for instance. Right. Or if we, <laughs> I won't mention any names, okay, me, where <laughs> I'll rescue puppies that, right. that are yeah. underage, right. um, abandoned, sure. um, or even foster puppies. Yes. Um, and there's a total, totally new thing, um, a different thing to what we're talking about. A- absolutely. It's a milk-based yeah. diet. Right. You get, there you're going to be feeding something that, that's, you know, specifically for that that age group, you can, you can, like, we can start uh, weaning them fairly early from about four weeks on. They can start eating some dry, uh, you know, some, some normal food, mm. but they, sh- they should still be getting some milk up to the time they weaned, eight to 10, 10 weeks. And when you're talking really newborn, you've literally got to set your, your alarm yeah, for yeah. every four hours, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, just like having a baby. You, yeah. you know, you, you, they will be needing food um, regularly. You think the mother, 
literally sleeps with them all the time and they've mm. got a, you know, got access to milk at any time they want. Later on, she starts moving away and, and weaning them off herself. But in the beginning, yes, certainly you, you would be feeding them with bottles. I did have um, a, a tiny baby kitten who was, I think she was two weeks old when um, I started fostering her. I obviously kept her. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> As one does. And I, I literally felt like a new mom. I had Dark circles mm. under my yeah, eyes. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. what day it was. Uh, it's bizarre, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Best if you have a partner or someone to help you with it and do it in shifts. Sure. Okay, so let's move on to older dogs um, or sort of normal mid-range age dogs, mm. not seniors and mm-hmm, not puppies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there we would continue to say feed twice a day because what, we, what we've what we realized is that you need to keep the the, the, the uh, energy levels as constant as possible in the, in the body. Um, we would recommend that you feed one bigger meal and one smaller meal. Okay, uh, and, and at any specific. Yeah, so so the the reasoning behind that is, if you want them to be awake at night, you give them a smaller meal in the evening, uh, and then they a little bit hungry, they 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 more they would be more alert, mm-hmm. uh, and then you feed them the big meal, and they would sleep a bit more during the day. Or the other way around. If you want them to sleep at night, give them a big meal at night. Yeah. Yeah. We've moved on a little bit from feed once a day uh, and, and certainly not ad lib feeding. That, that is a, a, you know, real no no. Just having food out all the time is, is a certain recipe for, for, for obesity. That, that can be a big issue. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you know, the cost of, of food that goes off and so on is, is, it needs to be factored in there as well. Right. And I mean, that needs to be considered too when I have a, a miniature pincher and I often feel like I just want to buy an enormous bag of food. Right. But it's not ideal because of the freshness. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it can be ziplocked or contained. Yeah. But I generally notice he can tell when the food's food. brand new. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it generally is. It's it, the way it's been packaged is to to make sure that it is that it does stay fresh. Mm. And when you open it, it gets exposed to more oxygen, and and then you you it does start degenerating. And certainly the the flavors can change. Um, so we 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 would recommend you don't take longer than about. It depends on the diet, but a month to a month and a half, you probably should be, you know, finishing that that bag of food. Mm. Certainly for dogs. Yeah. Okay. So moving then on to older dogs, and this is where the diet can become quite tricky mm. because lots of things start happening, as we as humans right. know of, of <laughs> ourselves, whether it's arthritis or um, skin conditions they may develop or um, allergies. Joints, etc. Yeah. So we need to be quite specific with diet at this stage. Right. So, so the, we we split our animals up into into puppyhood, which is really around about a year old. Um, essentially, they become adults from then on. Then adults, really from from a year on to about six six years, five years, and an older and a larger dogs. Large breed dogs tend to age a bit quicker. So about five years and about seven years in smaller dogs. And then we would change over to a what we would call a senior type diet. Mm. And really what you're trying to do there is to to help the organs to to work better. Mm. What happens with the body is that we lose the ability for homeostasis. So so our body's trying to keep in a in a certain levels of like a balance. A balance, yeah. exactly. And so so the body then starts losing the ability to do that. Um I liken it to, you know, when we were younger we could have a nice party and go to lectures the next day at university. Mm-hmm. Now if we have a good party, it takes a couple of days to, to come right. We will come right, but we're just not as quick as we used to be. Well, and I that, mean I basically sleep for five days and party for two. <laughs> well yeah yeah, and we used to party for five days yeah. and sleep for two, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so certainly that that's the, the easiest way to look at it is that basically we're just losing the ability to to come right quickly, quickly, mm. you know. Yeah, think of it that way. Okay, so we've spoken about the different ages, you know, in terms of cats, 
the breeds are quite similar and you do get um, different breed um, cat food mm. uh, specifically for long hair or cats that are indoors or less active, etc. Mm. Mm. But with dogs, we're talking the difference between a Chihuahua and a Great Dane. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are differences from that point of view. Um, nutritionally, they are not very different, actually. There are more differences um, between animals in a breed than, than between different breeds. An animal that has arthritis is got arthritis not because it's a certain breed. Mm. It's got arthritis because right. of what happened. Really, that's, that's the point is that we should be feeding preferably for what this animal's got as an issue rather than because it is a certain type of animal. Okay. Yeah. So a, an arthritic nutritional food yep. would trump a chihuahua food. Correct, correct. If yeah. it has yeah. arthritis. Yeah, you know, and, and again, we, we split our foods up into you know, the normal, normal diets or, or age-specific diets, life stay styles, mm-hmm. so things like more active animals, that's, that sort of thing, and then obviously the, the prescription diets, the, the, the therapeutic diets for specific diseases. Right. Let's talk a little bit about general dietary requirements for dogs. As humans, we play around a lot with um, our levels of proteins, carbs, fats, and various intakes. And we oftentimes try and pass these fads uh, onto our animals. Yeah, absolutely. But what does a dog really need? It needs amino acids, just like we do. Where those amino acids come from, the body doesn't really care. Mm. If it comes from, from meat or not from meat, as long as it's got the right amino acids, that it can add those together and make the proteins that make us live. Mm. Yes, certain amino acids are higher in, in certain protein sources. So an egg, for example, has all the amino acids we would need because we, we, we could survive just, just on the protein and eggs. Mm. But we can also get protein from, from other sources like um, uh, soybean, etc., you know, plant sources. And as humans, we do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, cats certainly need to have meat in their diet. They are obligate carnivores. Right. So they need some meat so that they can get certain amino acids that they specifically need. There are 11 essential amino acids and 12 in the cat. The cat needs something called taurine, which the rest of us can actually make. So okay. they've lost the ability to make that. That's why they need more protein. Once you've got enough protein, you've got enough. After that, all the body does is breaks it down into carbohydrates anyway. So there's no point in, in having an excessively high protein diet because all your body's doing is breaking it down into mm. carbohydrates anyway. We need that. We Dogs and cats can use carbohydrates really well. They don't have a problem with it as long as they're properly cooked. Do they and need them? They don't need them per se, but mm. they need the energy. Okay. So we've got two options. Let's go back a little bit and say, what do we have our dogs and cats for? We want them to live a long life. Mm. We don't want them to live a short life and reproduce. Yes. Because that's really what they, their diet originally was designed for. Right. You yeah. know, a dog mm. and a cat in the wild, all they wanted to do was pass their genes on. That's their whole mission in life was to pass their genes on. And so their nutrition was based essentially on that. Whereas now we want them to live a long and healthy life. Uh, mm. And so it's slightly different. The other thing that people don't realize is that our dogs are different to wolves. People say a dog is a wolf. They're not the same thing. They evolved from wolves and other um, canid species, but the way they became domesticated by living off our scraps means that those that thrived on our scraps, which are essentially higher carbohydrate levels, mm-hmm. were the ones that passed their genes on, and that's when they became domesticated. Right. It's been shown that the genome in the domestic dog is different to the wolf, specifically in terms of how they use carbohydrates and energy. Right. So modern dogs are much better at using carbohydrates than the wolf was, for example. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and fats? Fats. So fats always, obviously, it's, it's an essential 
thing as well, the essential fatty acids that we need. Fats are really important not only for the energy source because it's a very concentrated energy source, but also very important for everything from hormones to how our skin reacts, you know, the development of our eyes, of our brain. There are a whole lot of things that fats are important for, mm. and we need to be sure we have the right levels of, of fats and then the right types of fat. Yeah, yep. because often you, you would – cut the fat off your steak and that goes to the dog. Right, yeah. And will those fats make them fat? The point is that that fat per gram has twice as much energy as a carbohydrate or protein. Every time you give one gram of fat, you're giving twice as much energy. Mm. That's why we want to decrease the fat in there, except that you have to have some fat. You, mm. I mean, we can't survive without it. So yes, you do have to eat some of it. And what it also does is it, is it blunts the craving to eat. So it's important to have fats in there. But yes, certainly high fat is going to be an issue. So speaking of cutting off scraps for your dog (laughs) and bits of fat, which it shouldn't always be, let's talk a bit about treats and um, what sort of treats we should be giving them, when and how much. We recommend never more than 10% of their dietary intake for the day. So you need to kind of work that out. So you need to reduce the the normal… Um, amount of food, food you, exactly in a meal. Yeah, yeah. So the best treats that you can that you can give is something that's very similar to the food that they're eating, and I think people need to realize that the treat is it's not about the nutritional value per se, per se; it's about the interaction with your animal. So if it is not a treat, if it's throwing a ball, that's a treat to the to that to that pet. Yeah. So we can mm-hmm. cut back on the amount of treats that are nutritional treats and concentrate more on that in that interaction. So we say less than 10% of the intake for the day and recommend getting something that's good quality treat. We can also use things like carrot and those sort of things as well. And again, there's there's not much nutritional value to that, but it's really about the, the interaction. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, so it's not it's not harmful if a dog eats a carrot. No. Okay. As long as it chews it and and, and it doesn't um, you know doesn't choke on it. That's yeah. Fine. yeah. <laughs> Let's go on then to yeah. dangerous foods because there certainly are some foods which can be deadly to, yeah. uh, to animals or to dogs and cats specifically. Exactly. So I mean the one that, that everybody kind of knows about is chocolate. Um, the theobromides. It's it's like caffeine. Um, same the same category. And so that's really what gives us the the stimulation from from. Coffee and chocolate overstimulates them. But they would have to eat quite a lot, but certainly you want to keep it away, not only from that point of view, but also from the fat content point of view. Yeah. Um, they're not used to that yeah. kind of thing. And that, is it the same for cats with chocolate? Yes. Um, although cats, they've evolved to be clever. Yeah. Because, because they're solitary animals, they can't afford to get sick. Right, because they've got no one to protect them to help them. So basically, they are very cautious about what they eat. Mm. And if they eat anything, or they've eaten something and they feel sick at the same time, they will not eat that that again. Right. Which is is an important aspect from a veterinarian point of view. Uh, when an animal is sick and we feed it a certain type of food, they they become ver- aversion to that. So they yeah. will not eat that food again. Well, in in this case, I'm just thinking of a, a little. Anecdotal story. I was given um, a beautiful package, an Easter package from Lint a couple of years ago. And most of the the stuff in there was 70%. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's high, yeah. And you know the way we always think that the cats are out to get the dogs? Right. They worked in cahoots, my four cats. (laughs) Okay. And managed to get the package off of the table Uh and onto the floor where the two dogs got stuck into it. And I nearly lost them. Mm. Mm. They they were – I had to rush them to the vet. It was touch and go. Yep. But yeah, those nasty cats. <laughs> those nasty cats, yeah, no, they, they're sneaky, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So, so yes, it does happen. I mean, chocolate will cause that problem. So you've mm. got to be very careful around those times. And, and dogs like sweet things. Yeah. So they're quite happy to go and eat some chocolate. They will, they will, they will 
you know, they'll gladly go and, go and eat it. Cats, not so much. Mm. Uh, the other things that people know is raisins, grapes. Mm-hmm. And we're not entirely sure where that comes in, but it, it's really, it's, it's, we think it's the, the amount of sugar that suddenly gets put into the body. And, and actually as humans, we've got to be a bit careful of that too, because there's this, this huge amount of sugar. If we eat a lot of grapes, um, that can be a problem. Yeah. And raisins obviously is, you know, concentrated. Condensed, yeah. But again, you know, the amount that they need to eat is fairly high. So, you know, one single little grape here and there, I wouldn't recommend using it as a treat, but if they happen to eat a grape or a, or yeah, a, yeah, if you it's drop not, one or yeah, something, yeah. It's not the end of the world. There's something that my dog gets every Christmas, and they yeah. they call it Christmas gut, where he's been. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean, oh, sorry, so I thought the thing that you were giving was no, called no. Christmas gut. <laughs> well, he'd find that delicious. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, no, it's yeah. because people are giving him scraps under right. the table the exactly. whole time, and exactly. it's it's gammon and and, and fatty the, meats. The point is that they're not used to that. Yeah. So you know, we we their their gut gets used to, or their, their their taste buds get used to a certain thing, and as soon as you start changing that, and very quickly. Um, certainly putting large amounts of fat in there can be a big issue yeah. and leads to pancreatitis and other. That's exactly what he gets. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Christmas gut or, or garbage disease is one of the other things that, you know, they go in there and they go and eat stuff that they shouldn't, mm-hmm. um, obviously can cause a problem. This, this minpin of mine is a bit of a problem. He got very much a garbage gut at one stage where he um, got into um, the leftover fish heads and and all of that outside a fish restaurant. Oh gosh, okay. Um, and it actually affected him neurologically. He stood up from his basket after eating this, yeah. which I didn't know, and yeah. fell onto his side. Yeah. Neurologically, it had a, a ma- yeah, massive yeah. issue. All the toxins. Well, and, and the toxins and, and there are certain amino acids in there that that change that can also cause those those issues, and they have an effect, you know, in the brain. Tryptophan, I think, is the one that there, right. there could be some issues with. Yeah. Yeah. That wow. was a, there was a six thousand range bunch of. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> Your vets must love you. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing we've got to worry about, and things that plants in the garden, um, right. is cycads. Okay. Cycads is a huge, huge issue. You must, you know, if you have cycads, certainly when they're when they're fruits as well, please keep. And puppies will go and investigate. They'll go and chew. It causes liver disease, irreversible liver disease. Sure. So we've got to be very careful. And for cats um, and also dogs, um, lilies. Any. Of these Easter lilies, Christmas lilies, those that you get from, you know, uh, as part of a bouquet. Right. You've got to be very careful there as well. Even a little bit of the, um, of the pollen mm-hmm. can also, can cause issues in cats and um, will cause sure. kidney failure. I did not so, know that. Yeah. So we need to be really, really, you've got to be careful if you've got cats that are investigate plants. That's something you should avoid yeah. um, at all costs. And I, sp- I suppose there's some plants that are poisonous to us that would be poisonous to them as well. Yeah. Like you probably have to look out for oleander and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Anything like that, that yeah. you know, all mammals will be allergic to, uh, I mean, um, um, susceptible to that. Yeah. 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 And again, cats just seem to be more clever. They Yes, they, they don't. They don't tend to go and eat that kind of stuff. But yeah. you know, even if they get a bit of that uh, pollen and they lick it uh, from from the lilies, it can be an issue. Yeah. The other thing is yeah. is um, to watch out for is things like like bones. You've got to be careful about what you're doing there. Preferably, don't feed them. The latest research shows that raw or or, or cooked doesn't make much difference. Mm-hmm. They can get stuck either way, and that's the biggest issue we have. Is certainly bones that get stuck in the esophagus um, and can cause some problems there. Yeah. From a from a raw food point of view if, if we're eating it we're probably okay we've got to be careful about some of the stuff that we do feed them because um, the chances of infection are I- increased even like listeria for example yeah i was, I was going to ask yeah. does that affect yeah. animals it, too? it does affect them and it's same as us that when they they're immunocompromised that it can be a problem but 
the point is that, that dogs and cats can handle um, the clostridiums and, and the E. coli much better than we can. But what happens is they, they become shedders. They don't necessarily show the, the symptoms, but they become shedders. So if you've got anybody in the house who is kids or older yeah. people or immunocompromised people, you've got to be very careful of that. Okay, let's look at some superfoods for dogs. The total <laughs> opposite of dangerous foods. Right, dangerous foods. Yeah, I mean, superfoods for dogs, there's certain things that uh, would be good for us as well. We believe that a properly balanced diet with some of those things in is far better than trying to add stuff to that food. The fatty acids, if they're in the food, they get absorbed a lot better uh, as opposed to you giving tablets or whatever. Superfoods, if we think of things like um, for arthritis, we use EPA which is a fish oil, um, okay. acosapentaenoic acid, specifically in the dog, fatty acid that gets into the, into the joints and has a huge effect. Not only does it de- decrease the inflammation in there, but it also blocks a gene that produces enzymes that cause the damage. Sure. So we can slow down the damage that happens in there um, as well as taking away a bit of the pain. And um, would you use it as a preventative um, food? Yeah, it, it, is in, it is in a lot of the preventative foods, and the senior diets should have a higher level of that. Mm. Um, and then there are specific um, and prescription diets that have the, the high, high levels that would be effective. Yeah. In the cat, it's a slight, cats are always different, so mm-hmm. they have a slightly different one. It's, um, um, it's, it, it's DHA. It's a slightly different one. So EPA in the dog, DHA in the cat. And um, I suppose, you know, humans tend to look out for superfoods and the reason why we consume them is to throw off the bad balance that we yeah. put in our own bodies. Yeah. So yeah. it's not completely necessary for animals that are that are on a balanced diet. Exactly. And 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 I mean the term superfood is it's it's almost a bit of a misnomer because yes, that stuff but at what level? Mm. Now, these are the other things you've got to worry about. So the EPA for the dog works for its joints. But you have to give a certain amount for it to be effective. It's like we think of an aspirin. takes away your headache. Yeah. But you know that you need to take one or two. If you take a half, it's not going to take your headache away. Mm-hmm. So just because it's got a bit of something in doesn't mean to say it is going to be effective. Mm. So it's, you've got to look at the levels of that stuff as well. Yeah. Okay. Some of the other superfoods that we talk about are essentially antioxidants. Um, and other phytonutrients that, that help to reduce inflammation in the body and also to control weight. We have a, a diet that essentially what you can do is change the metabolism of the animal to become more of a fat burner than a, than a fat storer. It's simple ingredients, but essentially what we're doing is decreasing. They can carry on eating pretty much what they were eating, but they, they're less likely to put on the weight. And from a human point of view, it's, it's yeah. essentially – I, I need some of no, that. No, no, well, it, it is. <laughs> you, you know, we, we, it's, it's essentially the Mediterranean diet. Okay. And that's yes. what it boils down to. Yeah. Uh, you know, the right fats, mm-hmm. the right uh, um, um, antioxidants, and that's that's really what it boils down to. You know, for brain health, for Alzheimer's disease, yeah. there are specific nutrients there. And again, it's really antioxidants and other things. But that can change the effect Alzheimer's has on, on dogs. I've never, uh, I have to be honest, I've never thought about Alzheimer's in dogs. Well, no one really did until we realized they do get a thing called canine dementia. So canine cognitive dysfunction and syndrome. How do you recognize that? So it's, it's generally older dogs. They often will walk in circles. They sleep more. And we mm. use the, the, the term dish. So disorientation, they, they don't know where they are. They get stuck under tables, that kind of thing. Just like with humans with Alzheimer's. The interaction changes. So they either become much clingier or they, they don't want to interact with anybody or anything. Mm. Sleep-wake pattern changes. So they, they tend to sleep when they never used to and the opposite way around. So they, and then they pace around at night. That's usually what one of the problems. And then yeah. H is the, the house soilings, the house training is yeah. forgotten. So they forget things that they learned. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, so, that makes a lot of sense. When I yeah. think about a cat that I had, when he got older, um, not only did he start losing his eyesight, but he would lose sense of where I was. Yes. 
Absolutely. So he would yeah. walk around the house, around the perimeter, yeah. meowing loudly. Yeah. And then I would, <laughs> embarrassingly enough, meow back yeah. so that eventually we'd find yeah. each other. Yeah. So that's exactly what cats, cats tend to meow. They're ones that get, get the dementia. Um, okay. They meow, meow, meow. You know, they forget how to use the sandbox. There are a couple of things that, that happens with them. The, the changes in the brain of the dog is exactly what happens in humans. So that was why the research was done. I've had a dog on, on that food and it, it is amazing. You can't believe the changes that happen with it. It's almost like we know more about how to treat it in dogs than we do in humans. Well, if we ate a diet that was fully balanced and had all the nutrients we needed, we'd be fine. Yeah. Well, we'd be better. We wouldn't be fine. We'd be better. Lastly, let's have a look at dogs being carnivores right. um, and what are the, the dangers of any excluding meat from their diet. So Right. We've spoken a little bit about the fact that they, they do well with carbs. Yeah. So, so as we said, the evolution of dogs together with humans was that they were better at using our scraps, which were higher in carbohydrates. And research has shown that the genome of the dog is different to the wolf, specifically in the areas where uh, it's got to do with carbohydrate metabolism. So they can eat it, they can digest it properly, and they can use it. They do need proteins, but they need amino acids that come from other animal or plant protein, mm. and as long as they've got all the ones that they need, um, the, the essential ones, then they have enough. To finish off, frequently asked questions about pets with trainer and behaviorist Kathy Clayton. Chocolate is fine for dogs. Oh, no, it's not. No, 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 no. Very poisonous. Um, particularly the very dark chocolate. The higher percentage of, uh, of chocolate in a, in a, in a chocolate bar. You know, when they say 80%, 70%, very dangerous for dogs. So please, no chocolate. Rather go and get chop drops that are made specifically for dogs. Dogs eat grass when they're sick. Nope. Dogs eat grass anytime. They love it, in fact. It's like they're vegetables. <laughs> And they go around, some dogs look like sheep. They're continually cropping at all the grass. And my own dogs do it all the time. It's just tasty. <laughs> and some grass is actually more tasty than other grass. And you can actually buy grass called dog grass. You can go to some nurseries and ask for dog grass. And the dogs love it. It's a different flavored grass. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pause for Thought, brought to you by petheaven.co.za. Never run out of pet food again with Pet Heaven's super convenient scheduled deliveries. Shop today and get 20% off your first scheduled delivery of premium pet products to your door. This is cliffcentral.com.